for the reading of God's Word, um, because God is holy and we want to honor Him uh, by standing for His Word. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9-18 through 18 says this, Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with his present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with you at Carpa, with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all of the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we just pray that you would use us in a mighty way today, Lord, not for our glory, but for yours. Father, if there's someone here who's discouraged, Lord, I pray today that they are encouraged through your word. Father, we pray, Lord, that as we, Lord, as we study this text today, as we, as we expound upon it, Father, we pray that we'll grow in wisdom, uh, Lord, that we'll grow in spiritual strength and that our faith will fully blossom. Father, if there's, here, if there's someone here who doesn't know you, Lord, we pray today that they'll just see how much you love them. Father, we know that your Holy Spirit can do what we cannot. Lord, I can't talk anyone into the kingdom. I can't, uh, Lord, I can't make anyone make a decision. But Father, we know that your Holy Spirit can touch hearts and can do what we can't. He can speak words that we don't even have the vocabulary for. And so, Father, we just lean upon you today and we trust your Holy Spirit to do his work. Lord, we love you. We pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Y'all can be seated. You know, sometimes I listen to preachers um, and realize that as preachers, some of us have sayings that we use more than others, right? Uh, we may have scriptures that we quote more than others. A few of the scriptures I know that I quote often are Romans 5, 8, for God commendeth his love toward us that while we're yet sinners. You could also tell I'm confused, too, by the way. You could tell some of the scriptures I learned when I was uh, a King James guy only. Uh, and then some of them I've learned in ESV. So sometimes I get my V's and thou's and sometimes you don't get them, right? Uh, and so sometimes I quote scripture and I quote it just from memory. Uh, but when you look at your ESV, it reads a little different. Um, and why am I saying that? Because, I, you know, as pastors, we sometimes just have our go-to verses. Of course, every Christian should know Philippians uh, 4.13, right? Everybody knows what that is? Right? For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? So we all got our go-to verses that you probably hear me say a lot of times while preaching. This passage we read today is a passage that I've read many times for my own benefit. It's not something I typically quote, um, but it's something that is kind of my go-to. The last time I preached from this passage was actually the 15th of January, 2017, when I was doing a series on the maturing church or being the mature church. Why did I bring it out again today? Just felt like this is what the Lord wanted us to do. Um, and honestly, I've been leaning uh, in just reading over and over this part of the scripture. Now, I got to set this up. 
Paul is in prison, right? Harsh conditions. He's in prison, and he'll remain in prison until his execution. We know by how he wrote this letter, and he says here that, you know, uh, when it, well, actually write the few verses before this, that his departure is soon at hand. What he's saying, execution is going to soon happen. I would deem much And not only that, but people that he loves, people that he's poured into, have left. I mean, think about his mindset here as he's writing this letter, all that he's going through. And still yet, he shows such strength and such wisdom in this. As a pastor, I, this is one of my go-tos. You don't hear me quote it, but this is something that I read often. And I just, Lord, wanted us to share today from our heart um, this passage of Scripture. Into so I can tell you I may go to a nurse or two along the way, but I, we're going to stay right here in this passage. So if you want to follow along in your Bibles, we're going to look at this passage and kind of go through it line by line and really to help us understand. And so I've entitled the message this morning, Life Happens, Act and React. So why did I write it that way? Act and React biblically, right? Because there are things that we need to be proactive and do. But then again, life happens and life throws us curveballs. And sometimes in those curveballs, all we can do is what? React. If, you throw, if I was to throw something in your head, what do you think you would do? Right? You would try to, to get out of the way. And I don't know about you, but life has handled me a lot of curveballs lately. A lot of curveballs personally, some in the church, some of them personally, some of them health-wise. I mean, it seems like there's been a whole bunch of things just kind of thrown at me. And I, I don't know about you, but, but I want to always make sure that I act and react appropriately according to the scriptures. I remember earlier this week, I, was, uh, I had to deal with this lady from, uh, from New York. She was an angry customer, and her name was Karen, right? And that's all I'll tell you. Her name was Karen. I wouldn't give you her last name. The reason it's funny, though, is because I, am, uh, I like mob movies. I know I shouldn't say that, right? But Goodfellas is one of my favorite movies. And, you know, again, I'm, I don't think as a pastor I probably should tell you that, but uh, but if you've ever seen Goodfellas, you'll know that in that movie, Ray Liotta's wife, the character's name is Karen, right? And this woman is from Long Island, right? I mean, I'm sorry, Staten Island, New York. And everybody that I talked to about this job talked just like the people in that movie. And in, in that movie, one line is like, Cat, he yells at her, look, Karen, right? And the whole time I'm talking to this lady, I wanted to say that, look, Karen, <laughs> and, and I just wanted, and I would love to tell you that, that I reacted uh, appropriately the entire course of the, the conversations, and I say shuns like there was many of them. But I remember at one point I had to do this. I just had to stop for a second, and I had to pray. Yeah, this is work, right? But everything I do, the Bible tells me in Colossians that everything I do, I do for God's glory. So that means how I talk to customers should be seasoned, right, with grace. And that's hard to do sometimes. It's hard to do when somebody's chewing your ear for something that ain't even your fault, and you're trying to convince them of that, but then they call you a liar and everything else. It's hard. To, listen, it's hard. It's hard to do that. But I was reminded again this week of this passage and I think I've read this passage just about every week for the last two months. And so today, I want us to look at it together. And I pray that it touches you as it touched me. 
And I pray that, uh, that God will just bless us today in his scripture. Realize that Paul's life in general, his Christian life was difficult. You know, the thing about Paul's Christian life, though, it was not only was it difficult, when you follow Paul's life, even if you didn't read his letters, if you just read the book of Acts, you would see that all those health and wealth prosperity preachers are full of junk. They're absolutely false. Because when you look at the scriptures, it's very clear, not only did Jesus say that we would suffer for his sake, but in Paul's conversion... In that process of where he was converged, uh, where he where he, he was converted, and he he met Christ uh, when he was walking, and, and suddenly the name of the town just escapes me. Right uh, when he was walking, and, and Christ appeared to him, he's blinded, and then he went to the house of of one that, that God had instructed him to, this Ananias, and God had instructed Ananias to pray for Paul, and Ananias is like, wait a second, the same Paul that has been killing Christians, that same Paul? Yeah, that, that Paul. You see, when Paul's sinner life, I'll just call it his sinner life, before he, was, before he came to Christ, before his life was drastically changed, Paul was a man of stature, of position. Right? People looked up to him. He had been through the rabbinical school. He was, you know, of the tribe of Benjamin. He had all these things going for him. And, and basically the Sanhedrin had given him basically an open ticket, if you will, to be able to go out and to capture Christians all day long. And now Paul is a Christian. He's converted and people are kind of scared of him. And it took others to step up and stand up for Paul. And so Paul's life went from one of high standing, one of position, to one where people don't even know how to take him. And from one from having everything and most likely had money. Also, by the way, he was a Roman citizen. So that was, that was an extra thing that, that he had going for him because there were things that you couldn't do to a Roman citizen that you could do to a non-citizen, such as crucifixion. And so Paul went from one of stature to all of a sudden, after his conversion, his life was filled with calamity, tough going, and even suffering. I'll read the passage. You don't have to turn there, but let me just read of what, now this is God speaking to Ananias. He said this, he says, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Paul did suffer. Shipwrecked, beaten more than once, stoned and left for dead. I mean, the amount of things that Paul went through, and now he's writing from prison. And with that mindset, let's now look at the scripture that Paul is writing from the worst conditions possible. And this is how he responds. You see, we've got to understand that living biblically is something that we must be proactive about. It's something that we must be intentional about. You're not going to live biblically by accident. And by the way, you're not going to live biblically 
basing your actions on feelings either. Feelings is great. Chris uses a term all up in my feelings, right? We were singing, what was it? We were singing a song at choir practice. Uh, uh, it was a slow song. We we're like, Chris got done. He's like, Whew. man, we cry out. That's what it is. We cry out. Got to singing that song, and boy, I'm telling you, the goosebumps raise up on you. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And then goosebumps get on your arms. You sing that song, you're like, dang, oh. Listen, those are absolutely great. God made us in a way where we have emotions. But I want to tell you, folks, emotion will not get it done. Why? Because there are times sometimes that I didn't feel saved. You ever felt that? You ever been times where you feel like your prayers hit the ceiling and fall right back on your head? Right? You ever feel times like you're not worthy of being forgiven? Or even sometimes go as far as don't feel like you have been forgiven? You see, feelings are great, but they'll get you in trouble. There are times that feelings will not get it done. Well, I feel that I should, listen, you can feel what you should all day long, but what does the Bible say you all do, right? Living biblically is something that we got to be intentional about. It's not just going to happen, and you can not rely on your feelings. Because your feelings will sometimes lead you in a way where you become the sinner and not the Scriptures. Paul here lives biblically, and we see that even in this harsh condition, we see his maturity. And that's what we want to look at today. In his writing, he says, Do your best to come to me, for, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. So the first thing we see is that Paul has been deserted by somebody he loves. Life is going to, listen, life is going to bring disappointment. Right? Maybe in your notes section there in the, in the bulletin, maybe you want to put that. Life is going to bring disappointment. You could even put this, life equals disappointment. It's going to happen. Things aren't going to go my way. They're not going to go your way either. And here we see that Paul had someone who had been a co-laborer with him. In other words, someone that was with him in the ministry that was traveling with him. And now when Paul is in his greatest need for encouragement, when Paul is stuck in this, in, in this prison... Harsh conditions, knowing that his execution is soon coming, and then here now, in the midst of all of this, one of his co-laborers, one of his fellow ministry buddies, he says, not only left him, he says, but in love with this present world. Maybe he saw his friend stumble under the weight of the world. Sometimes the weight of the world happens, doesn't it? Sometimes it feels like the world is 100 tons and it's right on our shoulders and it's just pushing us down and we feel like our knees are about to buckle at any moment. And sometimes people do. But living, living biblically has to, it has to be intentional in that this is going to happen. Life is going to bring disappointments. And how are you going to accept those disappointments? And what is it going to do to your walk? We see here that Demas may have turned back and he may have been weak in his faith, but Paul was not. You see, when life brings disappointments, we, we must continue to trust God's plan and not be derailed by it. 
I hear a lot of times people, they, they just get enamored with God and all these things. And when you really get to the heart of it, what you find out is that somebody had a moral failure or something like that happened. And you find out that their faith wasn't so much in God as it was the people that were around him. Listen, even pastors fail, amen? I remember back in the 80s, it was a real big deal. There were several TV pastors, TV uh, evangelists, if you will, that had these huge moral failures. And they got exposed. And many people just, once they saw that, they think if that person can't live in a holy manner, there's no way I'm going to be able to live in that manner. And so they just throw their hands up. Living biblically means that I've got to trust that God's word is what it says it is and that God will see me through. That even in my worst moments, even when I am at my worst, to know that God loves me and that his mercies are endless and that I am still saved. I may fail and I may do things wrong from time to time and I may have to go back and ask forgiveness time and time again. But I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God saved my soul. So listen, life is going to give disappointment. It's going to happen. Why? Because sin is in this world. Don't forget that we're fighting. We think that we fight people. We're not fighting people. We're fighting the, the effects of the evil forces. We talked about this the other night when we were standing here, a couple of us. The Bible says that we, we, fight, we fight evil spirits and principalities. We, it may seem like we're fighting people, but what we're doing is we're fighting against evil forces that are working through those people that would rather do us harm than good. Demas had left him. Demas had made shipwreck of his faith. Now, what does that mean for Demas? I don't know that's between him and God. We don't know all the situation. But we know that Demas had just left, it said, in love with this present world. In other words, when he looked at what the world could give him versus what he was receiving as a servant of God, he failed to see the big picture. The big picture is this. Our best life is yet to come. In this time, in this world, if need be, and I'll go as far to say, if it's God's will, we could suffer. Why would you say that if it's God's will? Because God wrote in God's word that he told Paul that you will suffer for the sake of my name. And maybe you might be called to suffer too. Maybe Demas looked at Paul's life and said, when you were living against Christ, you had it all going for you. And now that you're living for Christ, every corner you turn around equals pain. Maybe that's what he saw. Maybe he couldn't see what was really at stake. Life brings disappointment. We must react biblically by doing what? Staying the course and moving ahead. That's what Paul did. Then we look at it and we realized, by the way, not only did Demas leave, but even some of those who were doing ministry with him had to leave because other things had to be done. And so there he was, alone. 
life is going to bring disappointment. Secondly, life, life will bring, bring us wrongdoing by those we trust. We must react biblically by forgiving, forgetting, and moving on. So where did you get that from? Well, I kind of skipped down a little bit. But he says to bring Mark with him. He says, Luke alone is with me, verse 11. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to the ministry. Now, maybe that doesn't mean anything to you, so let me tell you the history behind this. In Acts chapter 15, we see this, this thing that happened. You see, Mark had went on the first missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas. Right? And so Paul and Barnabas were, were on this journey together, and they took Mark with them. But somewhere along the way, Mark either got homesick or something happened, and Mark left them and went home. Anybody ever had that happen to? Right? Maybe it was not a missionary journey, but sometimes we, well, a couple of us will agree to do something together, and then when it comes time to do it, people are missing. What? I, th I thought there was four of us, now there's three, right? Or there's four of us, now there's two. And so Mark had turned around. Weakness, maybe. This is what the scripture says in Acts chapter 15. It says, now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. It says, but Paul thought it best not to take him with them, one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. Now think about this for a second. Paul and Barnabas were buddies. They were ministry friends. I mean, they were tight. And so now that Barnabas, by the way, he's named son of encouragement, right? Barnabas wants to give Mark another shot at it. Say, so, yeah, I know he turned around the first time, but let's take him on this one. And Paul said, absolutely not. And it says a sharp disagreement arose between them. Now listen, sharp disagreement. It don't mean that Paul and Barnabas were sitting there saying, no, now Barnabas, you know how I feel. You know I like Mark and all, but I just don't think it's a good idea. And Barnabas was, oh, come on, Paul, can't we talk about this? No, this was a sharp disagreement. What, you want to take him? Absolutely not. Matter of fact, you want to take him, you take him, you go your way. I ain't taking him. I'll find somebody else. I'd rather invest in somebody else and give them a shot than to somebody I know is too weak. Sharp disagreement is said to the point that they went their own way. You see, people are going to let us down, even people close to us. These were ministry friends. You know what that means? They walked together. They traveled together. They ate together. They slept at the same place together. These are guys that lived their lives every day together as they were doing the work of the ministry and traveling far and wide to spread the gospel. These weren't just people that meet up every now and then. This wasn't just people you see once or twice a week. These are people that spent every day together and Mark left and Paul's like, I ain't taking that guy again. You know what happened last time. To the point now, Paul and Barnabas who were tight and close, that disagreement was so sharp that it had split them up. But now that we see Paul, what do we see? We see a different Paul, don't we? Paul had matured along the way. We don't know when they came back together, but we do know this. Something happened in Paul and he was able to forgive and forget and move forward because he said, bring Mark with you, for he is very useful to me 
for the ministry. You know what that means? Somewhere along the line, they got it together. Mark proved himself. And Paul was willing to just let it go. And sometimes that's what we have to do. I don't know about you, but sometimes we like to hold on to things, don't we? We want to hold on. We want to beat it and beat it some more and beat it some more. You've heard the term beating a dead horse. Sometimes we'll dig him back up and beat him again. He was already dead when we put him in the ground, but we'll look, we'll resurrect that thing. We'll dig him up and we'll beat him some more. Kick him around. But listen, that's, that's not biblical. The Bible says that we must forgive. Somebody asked me this week, where does it say in the Bible that, you know, how many times God will forgive? I said, well, it really doesn't say it. It says his mercies are renewed daily. And when Peter asked him that, how many times are we supposed to forgive? Seven times? Seventy times seven. That doesn't mean 490 times. By the way, Chris, you got five more, buddy. You at 485, pal. Sound like Sheldon Cooper. That's it. You're going to be on restriction. Right? It's not in our roommate agreement. doesn't mean 490 times. You know what Christ was saying? He's like, as many times as it takes that we're supposed to forgive and we're supposed to love. And we see a mature Paul here that's probably a lot different Paul than the one who went on the first missionary journey. He had learned some things along the way. And listen, if we're going to hold something against any, everybody that ever does something wrong to us, we're never going to be fit for anything, right? Because we're, we're going to end up being with nobody because sooner or later, everybody's going to let everybody down. Life happens. Learn to forgive and forget. Learn to let it go. Paul was able to not only let it go, but finally see past the offense and realize is that Mark had a lot to offer. To the point he says, bring Mark with you. He's good for the ministry. Then as we read along, we see that Paul says what? He says, when you come to me, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books and above all the parchments. See, the point number three is to react biblically, we, we must constantly take in his word. And it's got to be the highest priority. Did you see what he says? Above all. He was giving Timothy a lot of things to do here at the end of his letter. Bring Mark, do this and do that. But he says, and bring the cloak. And I thought about it. You imagine that? Bring my coat. Bring my coat. Why? Because I'm sure that dungeon was pretty nasty. He was probably cold. Probably just needed some warmth and something that was familiar to him. I thought it was unique that God placed him with Luke. That Luke is alone, is with me. Luke was a doctor. Paul, at this point, probably needed a doctor. When you've been beaten as many times as he had and stoned for left for dead, I'm sure, listen, I'm sure a little arthritis was the, was the smallest of his problems. God has a way of putting people around us that we need. But he says, above all, bring the parchments. What does that mean? This said, above all, bring the writings. We know that Paul, many times in his letters to the churches, he quotes the Old Testament. Paul is writing letters that would become part of the New Testament for us. But Paul clearly quotes in many places the Old Testament. When you look at the book of Romans alone, he goes back to the Old Testament and to those writings to show them that Christ is who he says he is. 
And listen, the only way that we'll ever be able to live in a biblical manner, the only way that our actions and our reactions are going to be biblical is to have a healthy dose of Bible, amen, is to take it in every day because sometimes things need to be automatic and they're only going to be automatic if we practice them and do them and know them, amen. Not every situation are you in are you going to be able to do a Google search on how to act in the Bible. You're not always going to have that. Sometimes, you listen, you're going to need to know those scriptures and be able to respond quickly to that situation and know what the Word of God says. And the only way you can do that is to have it in you. The only way you can get that is reading and taking it in. And it's got to be the highest priority. The only way we can live biblically is to live in the scriptures, to take it in every day, to make it a part of our lives. Listen, to keep this physique up, I got to have intake every day. Y'all know what I'm saying? Did y'all taste the icing on that cake last night? Man alive, that's something to thank Jesus about right there, boy. I don't know who made that stuff up, but that thing's next to heaven right there. I think when you get to heaven, whatever cake they have up there is going to have icing just like that. Not that cake, the other one. You know that one had that whipped icing on? Oh, good gravy. Y'all do stuff like put fruit on it. No, I'm, trust me, I know what cake I'm talking about. When y'all preach, y'all can talk about the one you like. This is my turn. It's the one we bought from the store, I know, because I was there when it was purchased. It had this whipped icing on it that wasn't like your normal icing. That's the that heavenly land. Six light was yellow and white. Oh, good gosh almighty. Listen, to keep this up, I need a steady intake of that kind of stuff. You got to search that stuff out. Cake just ain't going to come along by itself. You got to search for that stuff. You got to make sure that, 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 that you're keeping up. And that, Sal, listen, we got to make a list. We got to go to the store. I got to feed this thing. Only way I can stay like this and to stay full is to make sure I got the right stuff. What if we were to become spiritually fat? Wouldn't that be awesome? See, I don't think you could ever get spiritually fat because I don't think you could ever take enough in that, that would turn to fat, right? It would just continue to turn into wisdom. And in a motivation. That's what we need. And you know what I find out that when I take in God's words specifically in the morning before I get my day started, my day is different. Now, I try to make it a part of my daily routine. But I'll be just like you. I'll be honest. Sometimes that pillow feels better than my routine. Y'all know what I'm saying? Sometimes that pillow tries to get up and run and I got to put it in a headlock. I got to hold on to that thing. I'm like, you ain't going nowhere. I'm staying right here even if I'm late for work. And sometimes my daily routine goes out the window. But I can tell you this. When my daily routine goes out the window, so does my day along with it. Why? Because starting with God's word, listen, it changes your day. There's something about reading God's word that just lifts us up. And it strengthens us. And the only way I'm going to live biblically, the only way I'm going to be able to act and react biblically is to know the scriptures. And the thing Paul run into, he says this, after he talks about bringing the parts, he says, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. 
the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. In this life, we're going to be confronted by evil in many different forms. We must react biblically. How do we do that? Paul gives us the understanding. He says the Lord will repay him. People are going to do wrong, and people are going to do all kinds of matter of evil, and they're going to do it to us. And if you ain't seen the news lately, realize this. The amount of evil that's going to be done to God's people is going to continue. It's not going to get better. You do understand that, right? It's going to get worse. You ever thought about how bad the world must have been before the flood? You ever thought about that? I was thinking, we, we were talking about that the other night. I said, think about this. So, so Adam and Eve were made perfect in the garden. I don't know about you, but anything, you ever just wish you could go back to the garden and slap them around a little bit? Really, you made life difficult for us, pal. And what was you thinking? I can still hear him. That woman you gave me. Dang on it. But think about this. So Adam and Eve were, were made absolutely perfect, but they sinned in the garden, and so they ran out of the garden. And then the very first generation, Cain and Abel, guess what? Cain killed his brother. The very first generation outside of the garden, we've already got murder. The very first generation. And then from there, it would get worse and worse and worse until it got to the time of Noah, to where God looked at the condition of the people and says, man, we can't, this ain't going to, I got to stop this. And other than Noah and his family, he wiped out an entire people. How bad did it have to be that God looked down and did that? I don't know how bad it was, but I think we're headed there again. Amen? We're headed there now. So don't think life for a believer is going to get easier. I've never seen a, such a time where people will so blatantly rail against God as they do today. Some, people, some of the things people say, I'm just waiting for a bolt of lightning to come down. You ever just like... Step away, right? Make sure you ain't no near no ground rods, I can tell you that. Don't touch anything metal around people, you know what I'm saying? I mean, they say some things, I'm like, I can't believe that God has continued to let you breathe the way you... But see, that's not for me to say. That person that's railing God today may hear the gospel and his heart may be turned. So it's not for me to look at that. So Paul gives us this mature look. He said, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. But Paul trusted God's justice system. Now, why is that important? Because Paul could sit around and dwell on Alexander the coppersmith. And y'all ever do that? To sit around and dwell on somebody who's done you wrong? I can't believe they did it. I mean, that's how country songs hit the charts, ain't it? Somebody done done me wrong and I just can't stop thinking about it. So I write it in a song get me a million dollars by going number one and I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> hey, why don't you play another somebody done somebody wrong song? Hmm. Think about all, uh, listen, it, it, it's our nature. When someone does us wrong, it's hard. But listen, but we got, again, we got to be able to act biblically in that and realize that when someone does us harm, it is done. But God's justice system will prevail. Because 
One of two things are going to happen. Either that person who's done that evil is going to come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and give his heart over to him, and he's going to be covered by the blood of Jesus just like I am. And thank God that ought to be our first desire, amen? Alexander did me great harm, but God will repay him. You know what that means? That God is either going to A, accept his Right, accept a prayer for him, and, and Alexander's going to accept Christ, or Alexander's going to reject Christ, and he will suffer the ultimate penalty, which is eternity in hell. We ought not desire that for anyone, folks. Our desire for Alexander ought to be that he comes into the saving knowledge of Christ. Because you know why Paul knew this? You know why? Because many people died at the hands of Paul. When they went to go stone Stephen, they laid their garments down at the feet of Paul. That was him giving the okay to kill Stephen for doing nothing else other than claiming Christ as Lord. Paul knew what it was like to do evil to people. And Paul says, that's not mine to do. And it's not mine to dwell on. Sometimes, folks, when somebody does this, you know what we got to do? God will take care of that. We've got to trust God's justice system that it is just. They will either pay with their life in eternity or they'll have their sins covered under the blood just like your sins are covered under blood. And I need to remind you, last week we talked about that, right? For all of us have sinned and gone astray. And all of our righteousness is filthy rags. Alexander ain't no worse than I am. Or that Paul has been or anyone else. Sometimes people are going to hurt us. Trust God's justice and move on. I like every... Let's move on, people. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see. Let's move along. Nothing going on here. Because otherwise, the people like Alexander will drag us down. It's going to happen. Evil's going to happen. And it could become a breeding ground for vengeance and anger. But I think Paul was doing something else here. What happens? What happens when somebody does our friend wrong? Maybe it wasn't you that they did wrong. What about when they do your friend wrong? I don't know about you, but I love my friends. I've got to love my friends because my family don't accept me, right? So, I mean, I've got to love my friends. I don't know, do you do one of my friends wrong? And listen, I can't do it right now, but, but I get that crane kick from Karate Kid. Y'all know what I'm saying? You can't do that with these boots on and I'm liable to fall on the floor these days, so I, I won't do it, right? But I want to get up in that crane kick and, and, and just kick somebody right in the chops. Y'all know what I'm saying? Just like he did in that, in that movie, Karate Kid. So it's not only sometimes that people do me wrong, but sometimes when people do my friends wrong, oh, look, that's just as bad as doing me. Matter of fact, you'd probably been better off doing me wrong, but you did my friend wrong. Listen, it's going to go south fast. But Paul, in his spiritual wisdom, says, God will repay them and beware of him yourself. You know what he's saying? Stay away from the guy. Stay away from him. You know why? Because sometimes, sometimes we're blinded by our love for other people. And we love other people. And when I find out somebody's done my people wrong, I want to go after them too. Paul's, Paul's saying, listen, it's done. God will take care of it. I'm away from him, you stay away from him and just let God have his way. That's biblical. 
We don't need to go take care of these things ourselves. God's got that stuff covered. We've got to trust his justice system. Then look at what Paul says. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me. This is the first time that he went before the Roman government. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through the message might be fully proclaimed and the Gentiles may hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. Think about what he's saying here. Life's going to bring us moments where we're going to sometimes have to stand alone. Oh, it ain't fun. Standing alone ain't fun. It'll make you question yourself too. When you have to stand alone, sometimes you'll be like, man, I sure hope I'm right. I sure hope that I've, that I've got this right. Because standing alone is scary. But the thing is, is with Christ, we never stand alone, do we? We never stand alone. But the fact is, is sometimes for our message to be heard and clear, that's the way it has to be. Sometimes for the, for the message to, to be able to go out in the right way, it can't be others around us with us. Sometimes it has to be from us and us alone. And sometimes God is going to allow this to us to come into these situations where nobody else is going to be there for us and we're going to have to stand. But listen, that's when faith should carry us, amen? It's easy to have faith when you have other people rallying behind you. Yeah, Huff, you're right. It's all good. I got your back, man. I got your back. It's all great when people are rallying behind that. So when you got to stand for something and you're standing by yourself and even some of your friends and some of the friends are like, I think you ought to do a different huff. But listen, I know God has called me to do it a certain way and you got to stand like that. Listen, that's a scary place to be. But that's where faith will carry us if we're truly living biblically. Well, I... The reason I sang that song today, Victory, and I did it much different than you. I mean, listen to Ralph Stanley's version, you'll realize that we did not do it any justice today. I did it much different. But I just love that song, Palms of Victory, Crown of Glory. Palms of Victory, I shall wear. I was just thinking about victory out there. Everybody had left last night. Everybody was gone. And everything, thank you for everybody who did well, by the way. When everything was done, I stood out on a fire escape last night and was just listening to the crickets. Boy, God has a way of making music, doesn't he? I think I've ever played a good sound as good as in crickets last night. And I just kept thinking palms of victory. You see, I was tired. My back was aching. Found out from a doctor this week that, yeah, it's as messed up as I thought it was, but there's no immediate fix. But Lord, but it's as if he just spoke to me and says, real faith in victory is being able to have joy when the pain doesn't leave. Anybody can put me and, and glorify me and, and shout about me when the pain left. Real victory is having victory over the pain, not that it left, but that you're not going to move me. You're not going to move me. That's, and that's what Paul had here. Paul, the first offense, nobody, nobody was there with me. But the message went through. And it had to be that way. And that's when faith, when faith needs to carry us. And that's where if we're weak in our faith, if we're weak in our knowledge of God, it's in those moments to buckle and we tend to let him, because we're scared to, to stand alone. We're scared to rely on God alone. It's easier to rely on God all around. 
It's easy to rely on God when you agree with me. And we're all staying together, locked arm to arm and singing kumbaya. That's all easy. It's when everybody unlocks their arms and you're standing there alone. That's when real faith is put to the test. And we hear that Paul says that everybody left. But still yet, God strengthened me. I mean, look how he said it. Man, first off, he said, may it not be charged against him, by the way. He said, Lord, and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully claimed. Sometimes people are going to leave us. Paul had everyone leave him. He even forgives them, doesn't want to be held against them. Paul didn't act cynical toward those people who had left him. He just relied on God. And we see how this time of standing alone was used by God to proclaim the salvation message to the Gentiles and to the highest of the Roman courts. I mean, Paul appealing to Caesar would be like going to the Supreme Court and standing before them. But imagine going before the Supreme Court and standing there without anyone to defend you. Across the table is the best lawyers that money can buy. But still yet, Paul stood. And there's going to be times in your life that you're going to have to stand by yourself. It might be at your job. Sometimes doing the right thing is not popular. By the way, I would even go as far as to say sometimes doing the right thing does not even make financial sense. One of the biggest arguments I ever got in my old job that I had many years ago where I ran a company, one of the biggest arguments I ever got in shop matches I ever got in was with the CFO over someone that I had hired that was very good at what they did and they had broken their leg and they had been on workers' comp for a long time and they were trying to make it so that person would quit so we could get away from paying that. They were gonna have them do things they didn't wanna do and make, put conditions on this person that he knew would, would, that would make him walk out because he was looking at the dollar signs. And I remember that day as if the Lord was speaking to me saying, Huff, this ain't right. This ain't right. If you don't stand for this person, who will? And so I took a stand that day and I said, absolutely not. Then I went as far. You ever said something that after you said it, you're like, oh, Lord. I mean, it sounded real spiritual when I said it. I said, matter of fact, I'm going to go as far as to say, if you don't do this guy right, then not only is he going to walk out, but I'm walking out with him. I said it, then I walked out, I'm like, a wife and kids, stay-at-home mom, I couldn't lose my job. I'm like, Lord, I sure hope you got my back on this one. This is, it's going to get ugly. You imagine what I'm going to tell my wife when I got home? Well, I took a stand for somebody, you know, it was like, what kind of stand? What'd you do? But I remember walking out of that office, all right, Lord, it's yours. Well, it wasn't too long. We used to have Nextels back then. I hated them things. Hey, Huff. It was the owner of the company. Hey, Huff. Yeah, John. Come to my office when you get back here. Okay. I remember driving back to the office. I'm like, all right, Lord. It is what it is. 
Walked in his office and said, I heard it. You and Mike got into it. Yep. This is what he wanted to do, and I didn't think it was right. Matter of fact, it's not that I don't think it's right. I know it ain't right. Because this is the conditions in which I hired him in. And these are the things I agreed to. And now he's wanting us to, to go back on our, on our agreement. It wasn't in writing, but it was a handshake. And I, my name's worth something. He said, so is it true that you said that you would quit over this? Like, yeah. He says, are you sure this is the hill you want to die on? I'm like, oh, Lord, this sounds bad. Yeah, yes, sir. Right's right. And I ain't going to agree to something that's wrong. So I guess if it has to be that way, I will. He said, I just wanted to make sure. He said, that guy's not going anywhere. We're not doing it. He said, but not because you threatened to quit. He says, don't ever do that again. Just make your case. And if it's right, we'll do what's right. But don't do that again. Yes, sir. I walked out. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes you got to stand. And we have to realize in our spiritual maturity that God is, God will allow us to get into these situations. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's with your family. Maybe, maybe it's with your neighbors, whatever the case may be, he wants us to strike. And everywhere in the scriptures I ever see that people stood and was willing to stand alone, God took care of them. Daniel got thrown in the lion's den. Lion never, never even snapped at him. The three Hebrew boys took a stand. They threw them in the fiery furnace. Still yet, they came out without even a smell of smoke. Sometimes you've got to take a stand. And lastly, let's look at what he says. He says, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever. Amen. To live biblically, we've got to keep our eye on the prize. Amen. Paul said that I press toward the prize of the mark of the high calling. What do you mean by that? I press toward the prize. I, 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 I press toward that which I know that God has for me. What I'm going through now is temporary. This body will long be gone. I keep my eye on what's really important. is to know that at the end of this race, a crown of righteousness awaits me. If I'll live faithfully here. Says, I know that he will keep me and bring me in that heavenly kingdom. For us to live biblically, we must keep our eyes on the prize and make sure we trust God to see us through. He made it through everything because he never took his eyes off the great prize, that eternal prize. That, that when this life is over, whether it's through the grave or whether through it's Jesus' return, we have to fully trust and know prize giving up life here you see paul said that, that i must increase jesus said that we must be willing to crucify ourselves daily to take a cross is what he says we must be willing to take a cross which means that we must be willing to go through whatever it takes the cross is a is an instrument of torture we think about what jesus went through on the cross 
And he's saying, listen, there are going to be times that you're going to suffer in my name, but you got to make sure that, that you're willing to just keep your eyes on what is most important and know that, listen, this life is temporary. James said it's like a vapor. And know that the end of this life, when everything is said and done, that we will see with our eyes what we have longed for by faith. That we'll be in God's presence forever. And that we'll live with him eternally. You see, now I want to back up a few verses to read preceding the text that we use today. Right before Paul started this, this, this end of his letter, he says this, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. If we're going to live biblically, we've got to make sure that we keep our eyes on the prize. We've got to realize life brings disappointments. We've got to be able to rise above it. We've got to remember that life is going to bring us wrongdoing by those that we trust. We've got to be able to forgive, forget, and move on. We've got to make sure that we remember that we must take his word daily. The only way we can live biblically and react biblically is if we are actually in the scripture. We must remember that life is going to bring us moments where we've got to stand alone. And at those moments, we've got to be willing to trust God and God alone. And for us to keep our eyes on the price. Paul said that if, that if we live and, and if we get prices we get in this life, we'd be of most people most miserable. He says, but because Christ arose, we will also rise and we will live with him together. There's a bonus port, point to this. One of the beautiful things about Paul's life that we see in this scripture is that I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's a laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Think about all that Paul had done. Paul lived in his forgiveness, not his past. You see, it'd be real easy. It'd be really easy for Paul, after all the, the things he had done against the Christians, it'd be easy for Paul to just live in that and allow it to stifle his message. You see, there are times that I preach and I'm like, Lord, you really want me to preach that? You know me. You know what I've done in my life. He reminds me that I don't see anything, Huff. Well, God, you know that I did this, and you know I did that, and you, you know the things that I've done. He's like, I, when I look at the accusations against you, I see nothing because they've all been covered by the blood. A lot of times God will call us to then minister to the people that we used to run with. That's hard, isn't it? The people that I used to do some crazy things with, and now God's calling me to, to reach them. And sometimes it's like Satan's reminding me, I think they're really going to believe your story. Oh, if you really think they're going to believe that, that God has done all this for you now, that, that you've been saved? You ever hear people use that word and they use it like as a joke? I heard you've been saved. Yes, I have. I've been eternally rescued. 
from the sentence of my sin because of what Jesus did on the cross. Listen, it's real easy to go minister to people you don't know, but when you get called to go back in where you came from, and Paul, after Paul received his sight back, God called Paul to go right back to the people that he once used to run with and that he used to capture Christians for and to tell them, I've been changed. I'm now one of those crazy people like the people I used to catch. You know, I'm just like Stephen except for I'm alive. That's hard. But I love how Paul's ministry, Paul did not allow his past to take him away or allow it to diminish what God had called him to do. He said, I don't know about you, but sometimes my past catches up with me. And what I mean catches up with me is sometimes things will remind me of my past. And in those moments when I'm reminded of my past, I feel like quitting. You? You ever feel that way? When I'm reminded of my past, I'm just like, I thought, I thought, I'd, I, thought I had dealt with it. You see, the problem is, is God had already dealt with it. It had been dealt with. And it was in the sea of forgetfulness. He had separated me from that sin as far as the east is from the west. But you know what happens when you throw things in the sea of forgetfulness? You get your fishing pole out. And it seems like at those moments where I need encouragement the most, the devil faces me with something that was from my past. The times I needed to know most that I'm living in a way that's pleasing to God, I'm reminded most of all the things I've done against God. And it would be real easy for Paul to get caught up in that too. So while he doesn't address it specifically, we do see it addressed in the fact that Paul has placed all his faith in God and he is absolutely sure that there's a crown of righteousness laid up for him. It's not in question. I know that I've done all those things. Paul said I was the chief of sinners, but still yet Paul's faith was in what the blood of Christ did for his life. And that has to be what you have to. That you have to know that whatever you've done is done. It's been done. It's out. If you've asked God to forgive you of it, then listen, don't go fishing back in that pond no more. It's been taken care of. People may bring it up to you, but listen, people didn't save you. Jesus did. Do we believe in the power of his blood or not? We've got to do life in a way that points to God because that's what people are going to see. Maturing in our faith is necessary and it'll allow us to do great things for Jesus. Life happens and disappointment's going to come. We've got to move forward. Sometimes we've got to forgive and sometimes we've got to accept our forgiveness. Sometimes you've got to accept that God's forgiven you. Did you ask him for forgiveness? Then you're forgiven. Dust yourself off. Keep walking ahead. It's taken care of. It's under the blood. Don't let it bring you down anymore. Don't dwell on it. You can't undo it anyway. There's a lot of things. If any of us could go back in life and do things over, how many have a list? We all got a list of things that we would do over. We don't get it. We don't get that wish. So just make your mess your message. Here I am in my mess. 
God saved me in spite of it. What you got to say about that? I say glory be to Jesus, amen? Glory to God that he loved me in spite of who I am and the mess that I've made and loves me anyway. So from this day forward, I'm just going to walk in him and hit in his newness. And I'm just going to accept the, what the gift that God has given me. Because listen, it is a gift. You didn't deserve it. I'm going to walk in the gift and I'm going to love him. Would you stand with me?